Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the Gospel of the Day. I am Charles Colazzi. Today is February the 16th. It's Friday. It's the Friday after Ash Wednesday. And our reading today is taken from the Gospel according to St. Matthew. The disciples of John approached Jesus and said, Why do we and the Pharisees fast much? But your disciples do not fast. Jesus answered them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. So this is a good reading to begin Lent with. A little understanding of fasting, why we fast. Part of the reason that we fast is that there's a type of mourning that's going on. In other words... We are not yet in heaven. We are not in celebration mode. We are longing for the day to be in heaven, and we have work to do, and we have penance to do for our sins. John the Baptist was awaiting the Messiah just as we are awaiting the Messiah in a lot of ways right now. Right now, as the Eucharistic prayer said, we wait in joyful hope for the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, John the Baptist and his followers were doing the same thing. Whereas for the apostles being in the presence of Jesus, Jesus being here as man, walking around with them, eating and sleeping and talking just like you and me, uh, it was a time to celebrate. And it brings home the point that we have these seasons of the church year. We have our liturgical seasons, and it's so important that we make use of them. See, There are those who want to just celebrate and have a good time all the time. And as a result, there's never any penance. There are sins that need to be uh, done penance for, purged in a way. There's so much uh, growth that we need as people. And if all we do is seek good times, well, then we don't grow. That's kind of obvious. We can understand it with a sports analogy or an academics analogy, anything in life. I mean, you have kids, you have whatever, a good home that you live in. All these things require hard work and sacrifice. They're penitential. But then we enjoy the fruit of them. So some people, when it comes to faith, they just want it to be all about feeling good. But I also know people, and maybe I've been here in my life as well at different times, who think the faith is just all a drudgery. We go to Mass because it's a sacrifice of my time. Because they're not thinking, maybe we at times are not thinking, well, I get so much more than I give, honestly. Or we think, well, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me, and therefore it's all just about suffering 100%. And I've talked about this before. I believe I talked about it yesterday. It's okay for us to be happy. It's okay for us to pursue things that are good for us. But it's about the balance. See, because with the balance, we enjoy the good, but we also struggle with the, the, the negative things, the fasting and the sacrifices. And in that struggle, we grow. So the good and the bad working together are good for us. It's helpful, just like anything else in life. You know, if it's a sports analogy, you, you, you work hard when you have to go to camp and you have to go to practice, but then you can enjoy winning the game. 
So a lot of people get that Lent is a penitential season. A lot of people forget that Advent is a penitential season. People just want to start partying as soon as December 1st comes around, as soon as Thanksgiving's done. Let's start celebrating Christmas, turn on the music and whatever. Start the decorating. But the reality is we have these penitential seasons, and then we have seasons of celebration. During Christmas and Easter, we're not supposed to be fasting because the bridegroom is with us liturgically, you know, and, and spiritually. I mean, it's a, it's a high point. It's a celebration of joy. Uh, and we also have all these other feasts throughout the year. And yes, we're supposed to celebrate them with solemnity. But then throughout the year, really, Friday is always supposed to be a penitential day, unless it's a high feast day for some reason. So there is always supposed to be this balance, this back and forth of the seasons and the feasts, and these things help us to grow. The Lord wants us to experience the joy, and he wants us to experience the sorrow. He wants us to meditate on his resurrection. He wants us to meditate on the joyful mysteries of the rosary that have to do with the annunciation, the visitation, the birth. He wants us to celebrate those things and and be close to Our Lady and her joys. But also, remember, she is also the Lady of Sorrows, so he wants us to commemorate his passion, his death, his crucifixion, and focus on those things as well. But everything in balance. I want to talk a little bit today about the emotions. I guess the first time I ever thought that the emotions are important, although now I've studied theology of the body, there's so much more to it, but one time I was visiting uh, the community of St. John. I'm a third order member of their community, and I make retreats with them regularly. And one, it was a deacon at the time that was preaching, and he said, if you're not excited about this big feast that's coming up, you have work to do in the next couple days. And that just really made me think. He was talking about cultivating the emotions. If we're not really excited about a certain high feast, a certain spiritual feast that's coming up, well, then we need to get focused because we're supposed to be living the liturgical year. We're supposed to be having sorrow with Jesus and then experiencing the joy with Jesus. We're supposed to be following him in our hearts. Now, you might say, well, emotions are something that happened to us, right? They're something natural. How can we shape our emotions? How can we move our emotions? Well, I love the writings of Dr. Conrad Bars, and he's written a lot of books. He's a very strongly Catholic author. Most of his writings have to do with um, psychology, really, but it's it's stuff that everybody, I think, can understand. And he talks a lot about the emotions and how our emotions get wounded and how we can heal our emotions. And he talks a great deal about relationships and affirmation, the need for affirmation. But he talks about how we should shepherd our emotions the way you shepherd a child. In other words, we should treat our emotions with that same balance. And once again, getting back to the liturgical year balance, we should treat our emotions with that balance with which we ought, and we don't always do this perfectly, but the balance with which we ought to raise our children. In other words, affirmation, love, building them up, encouraging them and giving them freedom. But at the same time, um, sometimes there needs to be correction. Sometimes they need to be corralled a little bit. Sometimes they need to be reined in. And it's the same with the emotions. Another great author about emotions is Brene Brown. She says, catch and release. That's one of her, her most important sayings. In other words, what do you do with a fish when you can't keep it? You know, you catch it, you celebrate it, you get a picture with it, and then you got to let it go back. 
well, we have a lot of emotions in our lives, both good and bad, that maybe um, aren't ideal for us to be just dwelling on all the time, especially during busy lives and working and taking care of family. So whether it's a good or a bad emotion, she says all of our emotions need to be processed. And I think most people in the psychological realm agree with that, whether it's happiness or sadness, catch it and then release it. Catch it first, feel it. Sometimes people just repress their negative emotions and then they end up psychologically sick because of it. No, feel the anger, feel the sadness. Sometimes we need to dig up the past and the digging up isn't the right word, but maybe heal the past, go to into the past and our past experiences with Jesus, heal the emotions, go into them and bring our Lord there and feel that maybe this caused me some pain. This caused me sadness, feel where it is in your body. Maybe this hurt my stomach. Maybe this hurt my muscles, my spine, my back. Maybe this gave me a headache. Some people hurt, I don't know, all different parts of the body. The knees hurt, whatever. The face hurts. When we recognize different things, trauma in our lives have caused us pain, it's good to feel those emotions. And the same thing with joy. Feel the joy. Experience the joy. Love the joy. But sometimes then we have to let it go. We can't just sit there and laugh for two hours. we got to get back to work. When it's a negative emotion... We don't want to get lost in the negative emotions and become depressed, but it's good to get into a pattern of, okay, I was hurt today, so you know what? I'm going to sit with that. I'm going to feel that emotion. I'm going to bring that to the Lord, and now I'm going to release it. And maybe tomorrow I'm still hurting from that. Okay, we catch it again. We think about it. We pray about it. We give it to the Lord, but then we release it, and part of the releasing is the forgiving Okay, I'm going to forgive this person that hurt me. But the next day, guess what? I'm still mad at them. Okay, catch it and release it. Anyway, these are just some examples of how we can shape our emotions and how the emotions can be, although they are natural things, and they're good. Emotions are good. Sometimes we look at anger as a bad emotion. It's not a bad emotion. It's negative in terms of it's not something we want to just be you know, angry all the time. Some people are. But... Anger can be useful. There's righteous anger. If we hurt, if we are hurting, someone hurt us. All right, good. Yeah, anger is a good thing. It, it's, it notifies us. It's the nervous, um, what's the word? <laughs> you know, the, the nerves of the soul. My grandmother used to say, my nerves. Um, yeah, the nervous system of the soul. Sometimes we need to get angry. Sometimes we need to get sad. But then we let it go. So, and, and we learn to forgive and in cultivating the emotions, then we can use them for our faith. We should, especially when we go to mass, see, this is the thing. I, I get so frustrated because I love the mass so much and I've studied it my whole life. And so when I'm at mass, I'm, I get into it. It's like, you know, here's an example that's outside of our faith, but people do this. People get excited for a game and they maybe stay excited even when they're losing. Sometimes now the team starts to lose and it gets worse and worse. Okay, the emotions start to drop. There's more of the negative emotions, but people get geared up for things that mean a lot to them. The ideal thing, the most important thing we're supposed to get geared up for is the mass. 
and remembering what the Mass is. The Mass is Calvary. The Mass is the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And we're present there at that sacrifice. So we need to focus on that and we need to get ourselves geared up. I'm not saying we should be hysterical crying the entire time, although that's what Mary's doing at the foot of the cross as her son is being crucified for us. But we get focused. We get focused. We should experience some sadness. We should experience the severity of it. Look at what was done out of love for me and you. And just the intensity of it. And maybe then we experience some gratitude in our emotions. Lord, thank you. Has anybody ever experienced the Mass so fully, anybody listening today, that you've actually cried? I feel like I've a couple times attended Mass and I was given the gift of tears just with that focus. And I, and I asked the Lord, Lord, help me to really experience what's going on here in this liturgy. So many people, they want to make it a party. They want to make it this excessively fun, positive thing. Or they want to just complain about how boring it is because, oh, the priest is old. He's out of touch or his sermon wasn't good. The reality is it's the mass. It's the sacrifice of Calvary. The priest doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, it's nice if it's a priest that you like and you can find a priest that you like who's out there somewhere, a priest that gives good sermons. But even if you didn't get the priest that you wanted, it's still Jesus. It's still the sacrifice of Calvary. And we can cultivate our emotions to that end of recognizing I'm here consoling Mary at the foot of the cross. I'm here praying with Mary. She's helping me to pray. She's consoling me in some ways. I had a student one time. It's funny. I mean, I've taught thousands of kids, but only one time, really, I can think of a student who, after I I feel like I really succeeded in teaching this young woman about the Mass, and then so many times after that, when we attended Mass together, she would be crying because she got it, because she understood this is Jesus' sacrifice, and I'm kneeling here before this altar with Mary. And so is it a good thing to cry when we go to Mass? Yeah, you know, we don't want to fake things or force things, but if the Lord is helping us to truly understand, this is Him and His great love giving Himself up for us, focused on us, because that's how much He loves us, you and me, as individuals. Yeah, to feel some sadness because I don't want my Jesus to suffer. Yeah, that's a good thing. Feel that sadness. I think of so many other examples. St. Therese, the little flower. There, There's different saints that are patron saints of comedy and, and fun. Like St. Therese, she, in her convent, you know, she got very sick and died very young. And there were other sisters in there that some were older, some were sick, some were miserable for different reasons, some were lonely. And she would try to cultivate those emotions, you know, with them. She was hurting herself, yet she tried to make them laugh. She tried to be entertaining. St. Philip Neri is another one, a patron saint of comedians. And um, I was just thinking there's a movie, and I, I believe it is the movie about St. Philip Neri, and I think this really happened in his life. Uh, they tried to trap him numerous times. There were numerous people that didn't like him. And I just remember there was one scene from his life where they – uh, brought him into a house where he was surrounded by prostitutes. And then they brought in some other people thinking they were going to catch him like, oh, look at look at where he is. Or, or maybe he, heaven forbid, he would even be tempted to commit a sin or something. And what, <laughs> when they walked in to catch him in the act of whatever he was going to be doing, 
He had every all these women on their knees praying and they were all weeping as he was describing to them the, the passion of Christ. And they were all I think they were doing stations of the cross together or something. So he just had that gift. It's like when Jesus says or, or you know, they have those professional mourners in the Gospels, the people that when somebody would die, they would come together and help everybody to cry, help everybody to process the emotions. And the, the story where Jesus uh, brings back to life the little girl, the daughter of Jairus, there's professional mourners outside. So, yeah, Philip Neary was good at making people laugh in many ways, and he was also good at making people cry. I think of St. John Bosco, and he's somebody I like to emulate when it comes to teaching young people. Um, he was just so good at getting these kids to get excited about their faith. There was an excitement they loved him, and that's part of it as well, cultivating that love. And sometimes, you know, the messenger needs to uh, to be part of the equation. When the kids love the messenger, they love the message a lot more. So he would have these boys saying, tell us another story. Pray with us. Pray over us. And, you know, they they experienced all kinds of highs and lows, emotionally speaking, with him because they loved him so much. He was the vehicle for it. I think, too, I've always, I've told this story many times when uh, we were at World Youth Day in 93 and Pope John Paul came out and woke us up in the morning while everybody was still sleeping. And just, he was so good at making us laugh. Even though so many people there didn't even have any idea who this guy was. They'd gone because of their youth groups or whatever. And here he is, the leader of the church throughout the world. And he's hanging out with a bunch of teenagers and he's waking us up in the morning and making us laugh. So we can cultivate the emotions for all different reasons. And I think one thing happening in this reason is Jesus is saying, well, there's times to celebrate, especially when the Lord is with you. So let's cultivate the joy. Let's work on that work on our hearts and our souls to get that joy going. Like, for example, when it comes to Christmas, it's not just about the presents. And all the other fun things. When it comes to Easter, it's not just about the Easter bunny and the eggs and the jelly beans. But it's about getting focused on the fact that Jesus is risen. And when we're in the season of Lent as we are right now, it's about getting focused on the fact that Jesus loves you so much and he loves me so much he died for us. We should cultivate some tears. We should meditate on the stations. We should learn to empathize with our Lord. And allow our hearts to go deeper and deeper, falling ever more in love with our divine Savior. So have a great Friday and Lent, everybody. God bless you. Mm-hmm.